Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. You found the World Travel Dad Show. Today is a huge show about a huge city, Hanoi, Vietnam, formerly North Vietnam. I've heard so much about this city. It's amazing to finally be here. And the reality of this city does not always match up with the myth and the reviews and what people have said. And so on today's show, I want to talk about myth versus reality. And this is a great show if you've ever had any interest in traveling to this great city. And uh, we will get into that shortly. But first, a few headlines, some housekeeping. Thanks for joining. First of all, there have been a couple of pop culture events of late. Going back to the Grammys, which I didn't watch, I barely heard anything about it. I'm not sure it's really all that important, but I did listen to a little bit of uh, Trevor Noah, who is the host, and I've, I'm have i not in his target audience, I guess. I think maybe he's left-wing, and I'm more of like a Ted Nugent, militia men kind of guy, and... But I finally got to hear the guy, and I'll say that some of the jokes were fairly well written, but his delivery is so weird. It's it's like he he ruins the punchline. Like, it, it didn't even really sound like comedy to me. And I'll give you an example. The I heard the joke about uh, Harry Styles, how women are throwing their panties at him, and then he just puts them on. Um, I think that's really funny, but he he tramples over the punchline and like jumps into some ne- the next joke. So it's, it's not my kind of stand up. Uh, and again, that's the only thing I wanted to say there. The Super Bowl happened. It was very painful. The bad guys won. I don't want to get into too much of the game. The only play that I saw was a doinked field goal. I started to stream it from our... We were in this bungalow in the middle of northern Vietnam. And nobody in our entire town knew that the Super Bowl was going on. So it was very refreshing. But when I went to try to stream it in the second half, there was a Kansas City fan um, who was doing a live stream of him watching the game. And... I couldn't think of anything more nauseating than somebody in Kansas City watching the game, cheering for the team that I hate. But that's certainly what I deserve. I deserve every ounce of the Chiefs dominating uh, our NFL reality in Denver. 
and they'll continue to do so, and that's what we deserve. But, you know, if you're in Kansas City, you deserve cold winters and no skiing. So there. I'm going to get into all these balloons that are being shot down over the U.S. Um, I'll finish with that, but I also wanted to get into some more economics. The, uh, the dreaded Phillips curve is back. This is that um, inverse relationship between unemployment and inflation. And this is the playbook that I guess the Federal Reserve chairman and all of the uh, his minions are continue to go to. And it drives me crazy. So basically what they're trying to do is increase unemployment to drive down the demand because they look at inflation as only a demand problem. Um, and I have two issues there. I think that most likely the, the reality is that putting people out of work is going to hurt supply. And I think that is either going to be a wash or it's going to completely mitigate any sort of demand destruction. Um, not to get too much into the weeds um, on this, but I think demand... Um, Temporary demand destruction can cause inflation to recede in these sort of temporary blips. And the U.S. just experienced that recently. We had inflation year over year go down. And we thought, oh, maybe we're getting out of the, uh, maybe the light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train. Maybe we're, we're getting done with this. But then it's starting, it's starting to like spike back up. Because in, in, in an inflationary environment, you want to create more supply. So you really would like to have more people working, I guess. It's, and so the Phillips curve has been widely criticized. It's essentially been debunked in my mind. But some guy named Jerome Powell, who runs our lives now, is that's his main playbook. And my second issue with it is, I mean, what a jerk. You know, if I lost my job because somebody's trying to follow the Phillips curve, I'd be pissed. Like, why are you trying to get rid of my job, guy? Like, have we thought about the people that are going to lose jobs because of this asinine policy? I mean, I I would be pissed. So, I think I think we need to we need to change the way we're looking at it, but we're not going to. So, we'll continue to monitor that and see what happens. Finally, the, uh, the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down and subsequent smaller balloons over the past week that have been shot down by um, uh, sidearm uh, tactical like missiles, which it's so weird to think about some balloon up there and you fire a missile at it. I mean, talk about going after a nail with like a sledgehammer but nonetheless i guess that's the only way to take these things down and i don't think anything's really come of this i hate to be cynical but um i have to believe that the chinese are spying on us in more ways than that so uh, if we think that's going to solve the problem you know i'm not sure i have my doubts and Finally, I, I did want to mention on the global front, there was a horrific earthquake in southeast Turkey along the border with Syria. 
and um, very high, terrible death toll. Really sad story. And I think the story here is that all these shoddy, shoddily constructed buildings are collapsing. So if you're going to build in um, on fault lines where there are potential for earthquake, you know, one is there a way to get some kind of a early warning system on a on the seismic um, level to try to detect these? And of course, you know, if there's not, if this thing came out of left field, you know, you have to build, you have to construct your buildings with like rubber in the joints or some, there's some way to do it, but it's somewhat expensive technology. And a lot of these developing nations don't have the infrastructure to pull it off. And, you know, that's another reason we should try. We should be trying to assist developing nations in achieving as much wealth as possible and as quickly as possible. And that's not something the ESG movement is interested in. They'd rather keep developing nations down, not let them use fossil fuels, and uh, try to have them go along with with our um, kind of woke ESG agenda. But I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think that if we pulled if we pulled every other developing nation up with us and tried to increase their level of of well being, I think that they would be much more willing to help out in in the global warming fight and ultimately i think that would be a better situation i don't think having the uh, the wealthy elite rulers of western nations dictate to the world how, how they should act is either appropriate moral or practically uh you know, doable because if I'm one of these developing nations, I'm going to give you the middle finger and I'm going to go find an India, uh, a Brazil, you know, a Russia. And I'm going to do that to ensure that my people can, uh, climb out of poverty. And I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to succumb to the woke agenda if I'm a developing nation. So I think we, really look silly trying to uh, impose that on, on, on the world. Anyway, those are the uh, headlines. We'll be right back. This show doesn't have sponsors, but what I can do is recommend travel products to help your trip. Today, I want to talk to you about the Steripen UV water purifier. This is a small, packable pen that can be put in any of your luggage and hidden away. And let me tell you, when you're traveling in Southeast Asia especially, the water situation is a little bit tricky. What I've used this pen for on our trip is to have a purified water supply at all times. I use it while I'm washing dishes as a final rinse. Sometimes I'll use it if the crew is thirsty and we show up at a new place and we haven't gone out to get bottled water. Uh, the Stara pen, I can't recommend it enough. It's very versatile. Uh, there's a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. 
let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. Hanoi, Vietnam is an amazing city. And many of people have heard of it. They're, it's the second largest city in Vietnam. The first largest is Ho Chi Minh City in the south. Hanoi is to the north, and we had to choose between those two cities. And we ended up choosing Hanoi. And part of the reason was um, it's, it's supposed to be a little more um, maybe developed and a little more sort of culturally relevant. I think we had heard Ho Chi Minh City was trying to cater a little bit too much to Western tourists, but I think it's six to one, half dozen to the other. I think they're both probably fantastic cities. But the first thing we had heard about when we came here, um, we had initially had a 10-day itinerary in the city, and we kind of cut that down to six days because we had read some recent reviews from our the Facebook you know, world schooling types, which I generally trust their opinion, but people were kind of a little down on Hanoi. Um, the weather, that's the first thing we had heard, that it's, um, it's gray and it's cold. And as I am recording, it's gray and it's cold. So they were right about that. But to complain about that, I think is you're kind of missing the point. I don't think you come to the city for weather. And so the first um, myth versus reality is, is true, that it, it does seem kind of gray and um, kind of bleak almost. And that if that bothers you, then you know perhaps steer clear. Maybe a southern city is, is a better choice. Um, for our trip, it didn't really bother us. It's almost kind of a welcome thing. You know, we had been in some hotter locations, although not terribly hot. But, you know, to, to, to give you an idea of the weather, um, I'll, I'll do uh, Celsius first for you Celsius people. Um, it's, it's about anywhere from 16 to, uh, when it's cloudy, it's about 15 to 19 degrees Celsius. So maybe upper 50s, low 60s for Fahrenheit. Um, when the sun comes out, it can get well into the 30s Celsius. Uh, this is going to get confusing if I have to keep jumping back and forth. So we'll stick to Celsius. Um, and apparently this weekend it's going to be a little bit warmer. And that, that'll be kind of nice. Um, you know, it's a little bit chilly. But again, you're not coming here for the weather. So, you know, bring a sweatshirt. Okay, the next thing, the traffic. Ooh, you know, big, bad traffic. You hear all about it. Um, you can already tell where I'm going with this one. It's, it's not that bad. I mean, I think that that is, uh, that's really overblown. Uh, even the Vietnamese people we talked to before we headed up north here, they were kind of like, ooh, are you, are you sure? You know, can you handle all the honking of the horns? Um, and I got to tell you, I, I don't really, I mean, I guess I hear some horns, but I heard, I heard honking horns in, you know, Hoi An or Bali, you know, um, Thailand people use the honker. I mean, that's not, you know, these little honks on a Honda scooter, they're not going to keep me away from a city. So 
the the traffic. Um, it's hard to understand what's going on, but you can use that to your advantage. I mean, it's not like you as a tourist can't get involved in the melee. You just got to get out there, and nobody knows what's going on. The locals don't know how the traffic's supposed to operate, so you just you, you walk out there confidently. You know, if you have kids with you, don't freak out. Don't don't stand on the side of the of the street, you know, clutching your your fanny packs. You need to just grab your kid's hand. Make sure you know uh, we we have a crossing buddy. You know, have a buddy system, and you just get out there. And like I said in the last episode, you don't stop in the middle of the street. You just keep going, and the scooters will go around you. They'll they'll go behind you if they if they can gauge your speed. But if you're doing herky jerky stop stuff, then they can't gauge it, and and it's gonna not be good for for anyone. So I think the Hanoi traffic is more of a myth than reality. I've seen worse traffic in Denver, Colorado. Uh, so don't worry about the traffic. Okay, next myth um, is the uh, cleanliness and or pollution factor. I think when I heard Hanoi uh, heard about it and sort of looked into it a bit, um, it it seemed to me like I was heading into like some massively polluted city in like Mongolia or something. Like I was going to get, you know, black lung or silicosis or uh, you know have to wear a mask everywhere, and that's just not the case. It's it's like any um, large city. I think there, I heard maybe nine million people here. I mean, so it's not gargantuan or anything. Um, I don't think the air pollution seems that terrible. I don't see any gigantic factories uh, e- emitting, um, you know, smoke or anything like that. I, I mean, I'm sure they exist, of course. Uh, as far as the trash in the streets. I mean, the place at night is really bustling, and they have these government workers that come through um, late at night and early in the morning, and they kind of clean everything up and uh, you start the whole thing back, o- you know, all all over again in the morning. And it just it works like clockwork. It's seven days a week of uh, craziness, uh, but it's fun. The dirt and and pollution has not been a huge problem. You know, to give you a comparison, we've heard some really terrible things about India being gross and polluted and disgusting. And, you know, we just, we haven't seen it here. Seems fine and seems manageable. And, uh, you know, even my daughter who is really turned off by big cities, I mean, she's been okay here. Um, You know, we, you, you might see a, somebody butchering a chicken like right in front of you or something but um and we kind of we saw that but hey you know it's fresh um so i i think it's fine so i think that i think pollution trash more of a myth okay the fourth myth are the people they're supposed to be really uptight and serious and austere and uh officious and stern, not welcoming, 
I'm going to go myth on this one. I think that the people are actually pretty cool. Um, they're not going to come out and like give you a hug or anything. Um, but we've generally enjoyed our encounters with the locals. It seems like they put the whole uh, Vietnam thing behind them. The Vietnam War thing, I should say. Uh, thankfully. I know I looked into a little bit of the history of, of the city during the war. And famously for, you know, um, we had a congressman named John McCain who uh, was shot down in a bomber run over the city of Hanoi in 1967. He, uh, he was hit by a surface-to-air missile, and he was shot down, and uh, he had to eject. Um, the, f- the force of the ejection broke his collarbone and I think his arm, and then he parachuted into a lake and almost drowned. Uh, he um, was able to somehow get to the surface of this small lake and then was pulled to the side of the lake by villagers who proceeded to beat him unconscious, bayonet him in the chest, uh, break several of his bones, they then called the authorities over who took him to a prison and uh, tried to kill him, tor- tortured him, and then realized that his dad had just been named the um, the head of the U.S. fleet in the Pacific, the head of the entire fleet, um, John McCain's dad. And so they thought, well, we have a, we have a pretty good uh, piece of... Uh, a pretty valuable prisoner here, and so they kept him alive at that point. <coughs> they they then uh, started uh, digressing the story, but I think it was kind of interesting. They um, they offered him an early release as a propaganda ploy to see if he would um, take the easy way out, and he he refused to do it. He said that he would not he he wouldn't be released. He wouldn't be released unless all the POWs that had served had been in prison longer than he had were released as well. And of course, they said absolutely not. So he ended up having to spend four and a half more years in a prison in Hanoi. And uh, as a result, he had severe neurological damage in parts of his legs and couldn't use. He, he had a limp, and he couldn't raise his arms above his shoulders. And he went on to serve um, in the uh, U.S. Senate as a distinguished and uh, uh, a m- very moral person. Uh, took took some difficult stances against the Republicans when he thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, so, by all accounts, just a, a wonderful American hero, uh, whom uh, President. Um, elect Donald Trump criticized and and had famously said he he liked his war heroes to not get caught. So apparently Donald Trump thinks that he could outrun uh, a service to air missile, a SAM as they as they call them. Uh, so Donald Trump, I mean he's just a kid. What a childish thing to say. Um, this isn't a comic book. This isn't some movie. Uh, one good thing about. Top Gun is they really were terrified of those surface-to-air missiles, which I think is accurate. I think that those things are 
very difficult to evade. Even the old Soviet ones, you know, we were dealing with, uh, you know, in Vietnam. And uh, anyway, McCain, um, interesting story. And uh, he ended. He did really quickly. He did sign a confession after four days of torture. He was su- he was suicidal. He signed a confession saying that the U.S. had committed war crimes. He felt terrible about it. Uh, he, he later confessed. Uh, or I'm sorry. He was later criticized because pe- people said, "Oh, he gave away some information on U.S. troop positions," which, a, I think it was probably false, and. B, even if he had, I mean, come on, you know. Um, I think we had bigger problems than that in the Vietnam War. But he said that he had, was giving the North Vietnamese commanders the names of uh, Green Bay Packer linemen um, to try to, to trick them. And, of course, they knew nothing about NFL, as I found out. I mean, no one knew the Super Bowl was going on. And, by the way, how do you know the names of the linemen? Um and further digression, I think, um, unfortunately, the U.S. did commit um, many war crimes um, in, in Vietnam. And I think, you know, we have to acknowledge that. And the U.S. generally does a good job of that, unlike some of these, like, cartoonish nations that, like, never admit wrongdoing. It's just ridiculous. Um, I think we did commit war crimes Interestingly, when we visit, we saw a church in Dong Hoi that had been bombed by um, U.S. forces. Dong Hoi is a city south of here. It's actually kind of a nice city, kind of a, a weird city. It's just starting to get tourists, so it, it's like in that weird phase where they, they're still, it's a very strange place for Westerners, but they're trying to figure it out. And um, uh, there is a memorial that clearly states that the U.S. committed war crimes, and I can't disagree with with that. I mean, we indiscriminately bombed and and killed and used Agent Orange on non-combatants. And unfortunately, that's just something that, you know, happens. But the U.S. is better than probably any other nation in the world in avoiding such war crimes, so for what that's worth. And like I said, I think the people here seem to be very friendly. They don't have a problem with Americans. Um, I think they like Americans. And I think that we really should be trying to strengthen our ties with Vietnam. Um, Talk about a strategic ally in the region. We could have a a real strategic ally for the next 30, 40 years in any kind of geopolitical situation with China. Uh, so we need to be putting our arms around Vietnam, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, one, one beer, one trinket, you know, at a time over here. One smile at a time. The final myth, kind of piggybacking off of the the people, is that Hanoi is kind of um, not as not as fun. Kind of more of an austere like a serious society where you can't really let loose. And I think that's kind of 50-50. I think um, it's sort of true in a way. I don't think it's as crazy as maybe some other cities of similar size. Um, But you definitely can have a good time here if you go to the right places. If you go into the old, old quarter, 
um, at night. I think you can you can definitely go to some bars. I haven't seen any like dance clubs per se, but there's plenty of plenty of beer drinking, plenty of loud music if if you want to go to to something like that. And there's also really good sort of clean like family fun, um, like nightlife. Like that's for for young kids too, where you can kind of walk around and uh, do some shopping. You know, the parents can can get a drink and can buy some cool stuff and uh, get some street food. You know, I can't recommend the street food enough. It's it's been terrific. Um, we we actually took a guide a guided street food tour, and it's it's really phenomenal. We found some good restaurants, and that's that's really helpful because as a Westerner you're not going to know really where to start half the time and you could go around and just try things. And I think people do that and that's great, but I can't, we can't do that with our kids I and mean, we have to have a kind of a plan worked out. You can't just wing it, you know, with young kids and many people listening, um, you would, you would be taking your kids to Hanoi. Um, I highly recommend that. I think it is a great place for families. Um, but it's, it's not, you know, and, and it's not, the fact that it's not that crazy is a, is a positive, uh, you know, on that aspect. So, um, but all in all, we've found um, that not all of the criticisms that we read of Hanoi were entirely accurate. And so, do we regret cutting our trip short a little bit? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think about a week is is the right amount of time here. If you're only going to come here for two nights or something, I don't you're just not going to get a very good feel for the city. So I, I do recommend a week, kind of like what we did with Singapore. And again, it's absolutely a, a good place for families. Thank you for listening to this show. I am constantly trying to improve through the process of iteration. Your time is valuable, and I appreciate you spending it here. We are now available on Google, Apple, and Spotify. Wherever you are listening, please take a moment to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe. And I promise to do whatever I can to send you good vibes.